With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to the notice where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. On this episode of The Notice, are you a Christian woman who leads or serve in the home, work, church, or ministry? Do you find it challenging to discuss issues that come up or are your leadership abilities questioned? Join me in a conversation about women in leadership with Julie Eichenroth with Freedom Farm Ministries. We talk about what it means to be a woman in leadership, take a look at some of those women leaders in scripture, and discuss the challenges women face as they take notice of God when leading. Well, as many of you, my listeners, know, Julie is a frequent guest on our podcast because she lives here. I live here, ta-da! <laughs> At Maple Ridge Place. <laughs> and Julie, it's always a pleasure to have you here with me and to talk about different things that we're doing here on the property. So we've got an event coming up, but before that, let's let's dive into our topic today. Women in leadership. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Big topic. Yeah. What do you think it means? Is it like about rules and relationships, responsibilities? I like the R word of relationship. I'm not saying that there aren't rules, but I ground everything in relationships. So... I think we have to look at leadership as a woman or as any leader through the grid of relationships because that will keep us rooted and grounded in love and will hopefully keep us on track with how we lead with love and wisdom uh, and how we manage ourselves in that role. Sometimes people get a little touchy about this subject. Yeah, it's a touchy subject. It can be, but <laughs> can be. I just find that there's so many opportunities for women to be who God called them to be mm-hmm. and we're bright and creative and capable people God wants us to be used by him for his kingdom so I think it's a great topic to talk about there's so many women in scriptures who were considered leaders I mean what does it mean to be a leader we could talk about it till we're blue in the face And there's tons of leadership books out there, ladies and men. There's tons of them. And everyone's got some kind of corner on what leadership is. So we're not going to try to figure that out today. Let's just have a conversation about what leadership is about. Kind of came up with some of these women who are very involved in leadership. In Exodus 15, 20, it talks about Miriam. She was a prophet and led the entire nation in worship. And then in Judges 4 and 5, there's Deborah. She was chosen by God to lead as a prophet, judge, and even led men into battle. And she wasn't just a woman passing out advice, but she was a strong, wise, and obedient father of God. And notably, like I said, both a prophet and judge. And you know the only other person in Scripture that they talks about being a prophet and a judge was Samuel. And then there is... Esther, of course, remember Esther, she saved a nation through her bravery. She was a leader indeed. And then there's Phoebe that Paul mentions in Romans 16. She was a servant or a deaconess in the church. 
Junia was considered outstanding by Paul, and it was among the circle of the apostles. Yes, she was. And there's Chloe, Nympha, and Aphia. I'm saying, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Aphia, and they talk about them in Philemon. They all led house churches. Okay. And Paul states in Romans 16 that there were four women who worked very hard, and that phrase was often used by, by Paul to refer to ministry work. There's Priscilla, she was a church planter, mm-hmm. and Tabitha led a benevolence ministry. And Philip's four daughters were all identified as prophets. Mm-hmm. So we have a president here that says, women are busy, mm-hmm. we're doing things. And of course, we can't forget about Proverbs 31. And I want to read some of this because I think it describes a lot of who we are as women. If, if we look at this as a celebration of women, not just one woman, and we all have to be this one woman, but a celebration of all women when we read these things, I think we might have a different perspective. So in verse 10, it says, she's a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants, which implies she was a boss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with the wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. There's even more. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I would add celebrated. That's what praise means. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Wow, that's quite a list, isn't it, Julie? That's a mouthful. You know, there are a lot of people who are smarter than me or than you and I who have broken down the Proverbs 31 woman and, you know, explained it and plumbed the depths of of the richness of that passage for years and years. But what I get out of that is, you know, it's not that every woman has to do all the things that this woman woman right. did that has to be, be all that she was, <laughs> right? 
Um, but what I see is a certain confidence in her and confidence, creativity, mm -hmm. um, and also that there was a wide scope of opportunities that she seized on to, to be productive, to be fruitful, to lead others. Um, and I would say that probably she led others well and was fruitful and productive because she put her trust in God and because she, she stewarded her, her own time and her own creativity and gifts well. She, um, she just seized on opportunities. And so to me, that just says, you don't have to be that woman. You don't have to do everything she did, but we can work on our confidence, our creativity, and we can explore a wide range of things that we can do in life to be fruitful and, and often to lead others regardless of what other people think we should do or what women can or can't do. She right. was not mm -hmm. limited by, and her culture was probably a little more, you know, restrictive toward women, but she didn't allow it to limit her. She seized on all kinds of opportunities to be creative and fruitful. And I love that. She must have had a really, really great peaceful sense of herself and right, her identity right. and, and of her ability to, to, as she trusted God to, to make something of her life. And oftentimes that confidence and that rest is what people are attracted to as a leader. You know, that's what they look for. And mm -hmm. But you mentioned one thing that, and you know I've, I get on this bandwagon about this one line in a song by 10th Avenue North that says, too many leaders, he asks for followers. Mm -hmm. And I love that lyric. It changed my whole perspective on leadership because for years I had gone to leadership conferences. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many I went in a Christian leadership, but I also did leadership in my work, you know, like the, like the local leadership with the Chamber of Commerce and with the universities I worked for. <clears throat> they had leadership conferences and they talked about, well, this is what leadership looks like and we're encouraging you to be a leader. And I liked all those. I think there was value to them, but I didn't feel like it really hit the head for me until I heard that lyric in that song because when it all boils down to, who am I following? Mm -hmm. Because whoever I'm following is where somebody's, if they're going to follow me, they're following who I'm following. Mm -hmm. When it all boils down to it, who am I following? Mm -hmm. If I'm following Jesus, that's that's the goal, mm -hmm. is I'm following Jesus. So, in, Well, like in, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. You know, he, he, he was a leader, but he his eyes were on God, and so he just did what he was gifted for and natural and modeled that for others, you know, and then people people followed. He wasn't trying to gather up followers like so many leaders do today to create a following or he followed his shepherd. <laughs> exactly. So I'm thinking it could it be that simple? I don't know, but I think that's a good place to start is who am I following? Another question we were talking about too when it comes to leadership is who am I leading? Well I think for me, you know, I we talked about this earlier, I never saw myself as a leader. I considered my, I was more comfortable in a second, a third, a fourth, a follower role, a supportive role. I was terrified of leadership. 
never ever saw hmm. leadership coming in my life. It was I the last not, thing. I would not have known that. It was the no, last thing <laughs> I would have done. I was so terrified. I had so much depression that I struggled with. I had so much negative narratives and toxic narratives about myself that I would never, I would just quake in my boots at the thought of having, being forced to lead anyone. But one thing I have learned is that God is a good shepherd of our hearts. He is a good shepherd. He is a good leader of our hearts. And so you might have a call in your life. I didn't feel that call necessarily. There are things I wanted to do. I wanted to teach and I wanted to do some of these things, but I, I resisted the narrative of being a leader because I had put a lot of negative spin on that for myself, my inability, my fear of failure, my fear of success, mm-hmm. um, and what the responsibilities would come with, that would come with success. So God had to knock down a lot of that garbage first. And so what I love about God is that he, he knows where he's leading us. And even if we think we know where we're going, a lot of times our hearts would fail us for fear if we knew what it would require. And we're just not that smart. We're not smart enough to know where to lead ourselves. We can take initiative, certainly. We can get training. We can do all kinds of things to help ourselves grow. But God is a wise leader and and a good shepherd of our hearts. So he started building me up as a leader by healing me first. He gave me what I call the heart infrastructure Mm -hmm. to support the call that he had on my life. A lot of people feel a call and then they want to jump right into it and then they get into trouble because they don't have the infrastructure to support uh, what they want to do in their life. And so he, and as a wise leader, he held me back from leadership or closed that door and then he spent his time healing me mm-hmm. and building me up and uh, making me fit for leadership. And then he just began to open little doors. And really what it was was you talk about who am I leading I started leading by what I call mentoring by coffee. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I watched some people that Mm -hmm. I admired who had mentored me, and I just said, well, they're just having coffee with people. So I started having coffee, and then women started to ask me because they saw the healing I had had. So I just started sharing what I had learned, and then gradually just started to come alongside women and help them and just sort of grew into that role of leadership. And now I'm much more comfortable in the role of leadership, but that was, I'm 63 now. Right. I was back in my 30s and 40s when God started this journey of, of leading me into becoming a leader. And and the thing that has helped me the most is to know that who, that I am loved. And when you when God shows you that you're loved by him, ain't nobody can tell you different. That's and right. And then it's easier That's to right. know you who, it, girl. and you lead the people who who seem to God seems to start surrounding your life with. You know, that it should be a natural thing, really. Just who who is Who's in your circle? Mm-hmm. Who's talking to you? Who's pulling on you? Who's asking questions? You know, where are your gifts leading you? You know, that reminds me of Second Corinthians, uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It talks about comforting others. With oh, the yeah, same that was a scripture he gave you, me, too. You, you, mm-hmm. you received. But that was a scripture that was very significant for me. In fact, that's the scripture I claimed when I got baptized. Mm. Because Awesome. Through, through the growing and the healing that God has done in my life, that's exactly what happened with me, too. Mm-hmm. I, started, I started, as I started healing and experiencing victory that comes with a relationship with God, I started to be able to, it was like a natural outcome. It's just, I just, you know, remember the song, Pass It On? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it only takes a spark. <laughs> and I wanted to pass it on. I just felt like, okay, this is what God's done for me. I just want, that's kind of how it started for me. It was just like, 
Okay. And so who came? People, people got put in your per- periphery. You know, a lot of times we think we're not successful as a leader unless we're like the next Lisa Turquist who has, who sold 20 books and has got a speaking platform and, and all these. And that's, that, that, there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, there's a place for that. And I'm thankful for people like her. Mm-hmm. But we also, there's the people right in front of us mm-hmm. is who we're leading, our yeah. children. Yeah, you know, and yeah, <laughs> definitely children. And, and I didn't consider myself a very good leader of my children because those were some of the most deep depression years. And so God's done a lot of healing in that area. But I think that, you know, in our world, we tend to lift up people who are influencers. And we're talking about huge influence, like big scope, you know, big platforms, big stages, big microphones. And I actually think that the vast majority of us just put our little drop in the ocean of our little corner of the mm-hmm. world, you know? I don't know if I'm mixing metaphors there or <laughs> what, but, but, but I think that, you know, I see a lot of people using their platforms now and they're just winging it. They're just getting up there because somebody put them on a stage and shoved a mic in their face and they, they're not, they're just kind of top, talking off the top of their head or they've just got a huge platform and they haven't really stewarded that platform well. Uh, maybe have fallen into immorality or other kinds of things. But I think when you kind of shrink down to, like you were saying, who can you lead or influence just in your neighborhood? in your church, in your family. There are a lot of people who lead huge numbers of people and can't lead their own lives. Mm-hmm. They, they can't steward their own lives. They don't lead their own hearts well, or they're not following the one who would lead their heart. And that's pretty scary if you can't even manage your own heart to presume to influence the hearts of others. I think that you start there first. Start at the heart, start at relationships, start at your identity being rooted and grounded in love. And knowing that you're loved by God is what's going to stabilize you. And then grow out from there. But I I see a lot of people messing up who have big platforms, and I'm like, I don't really aspire to that. That's a lot of responsibility. And more often than not, people do not handle that responsibility well. I also, well. I also think of that verse where he talks about what, what God sees in secret. He sees what's in secret. So if you're you know, ministering to somebody one-on-one in coffee, that's not a big platform, mm-hmm. but that's a big platform. And it's a personal <laughs> platform. It means it's like... When, when we talk about horse rescue, you know, horses, they go through the slaughter pipeline. I know this is kind of a left turn, but I was thinking about this last night when I was watching a, a favorite horse rescue that does amazing work. And people will go, well, you know, that there's so many horses and they're all, you know, they all need rescue. And the woman who runs the rescue says, well, you know, it means a lot to that horse to that one horse. Right. When you feed that horse, you, you give it pain medication, you comfort it. it. You know, the person you're sitting across the table from having coffee may not seem like a big important platform, but it means a lot to that person. That's right. And that's God always sees the one. Mm-hmm. He always sees the one. And that happened for me. I had somebody come alongside me who mentored me and just listened and was there for me. Mm-hmm. Had breakfast every Friday for, I don't know, three or four years, mm-hmm. and um, still friends to this day. And those people and are it, precious, and they, they, you know, what if, what if you don't reach out to the one? Because all you see is the sea of faces looking up at you. That person, you could be impacting that one person, and they'll go on to impact many, many people. But if you, you know, Jesus always stopped for the one. 
That's right. So we talked about who am I following? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who, who am I leading? Whoever's in front of us. Mm-hmm. Then there's this, why am I leading? Mm-hmm. Why am I leading? I think that gets to the heart of why we do anything. You know, are we doing it for our own self-promotion? For me, I keep going back to 2 Corinthians and comfort others of the same comfort. Mm-hmm. At every time, I that's my anchor verse. When I think about why am I doing this, I say to God, God, it's because somebody comforted me with your comfort. Mm-hmm. So I don't I think as leaders, yeah, and I, but I, I think it takes a while to get there. I think that normally we lead with our gifts. We lead with what we enjoy doing and what we're good at. And I actually love that. I love that God gave us gifts and talents so that we would enjoy serving him. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, I always use the analogy, imagine that you were called to clean toilets over the rest of your life and you really sucked at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what you got to do. You know, well, okay, you could do it to Jesus. But I love that he gives us these gifts so that we'll enjoy serving him. So a lot of times we just lead or we serve because if feels good and and it's a use of our gifts and right, we like being right. good at something it's like a gateway, but yeah. I think I think love comes later or it should come at some point that we we lead or we serve because we love that is why we should do everything and that it it takes a while to get rooted and grounded in that love God demonstrates his love in a variety of ways and so we see him practically ministering love to us and we feel loved by him and so we learn to love and he's a good He's a good model of love, right? But then at some point there's a revelation, I think, that we have about why we lead anyone. And it really should be grounded in love. It's not just the exciting use of our gifts. That's what makes it fun. But it's really being loved and poor and giving that love back to others. And, you know, sometimes we have these gifts and we think, well, if we're not using them, then... We're not being effective for God. But there are times when God just says, no, you need to shut that one down for a season. Yep. For a season or for a moment Mm -hmm. even. Mm -hmm. Because it it could be something the Holy Spirit directs us to do. So much of our identity comes from what we do. And that's just a lifelong battle for most people is to to remain centered. Our identity is, is to be centered in being loved. Right. daughters and sons of God yeah. who we are in Christ yeah and so God will say okay let's work on your love let's work on your trust of me so let's set aside the ministry for a while let's set aside the leadership and that's why I like kind of what we're doing with this because it's not just what women are experiencing in their leadership role but how is how are they doing outside of the leadership role can they step outside the leadership role do they know how to function outside of a title or a a scope of responsibility? Um, Do they have challenges in that leadership role? How do they balance that with good self-care and Mm -hmm. with with needing to step aside or have times of rest Mm -hmm. or have times of inactivity? Um, or turn off those gifts at a certain time if, if needed. You know, I, yeah. I mean, right now I'm doing some winter sowing for my gardening, and I and there are seeds that will only germinate when they go through a cold spell. Mm. You know, they have to go to sleep. They have to go through a cold spell so they can wake up in the spring. And that's, I think, sometimes, this is why I love growth analogies with the seasons because there's so much to to draw from those uh, examples in nature and that God does have seasons of inactivity and seeming inactivity and yet there's stuff that's actually alive right, under the really snow there's microbes that thrive on there's cold you know so, yeah it's still something's still happening under there 
So I know you've noticed a lot about God while leading others. We both have. Is there anything that sticks out to you as one of the best things you've noticed about God while you're leading others? Oh, how intimate and personal he is. Um, how willing he is to provide what we need. Like, this is what I love about leading. I don't have to know everything. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do everything. When I first was looking at starting Freedom Farm, and I'm not great with numbers. I'm not a number cruncher. I can do the basic you know, functions, and I can do a little bit of bookkeeping, but it's just not my strong suit mm-hmm. at all. And I remember God saying to me, Julie, I have people. And I'm like, what? He says, I have people. I have people. Do you believe that I can provide the people and pay the people that can do what you aren't gifted to do? You don't have to do it all. And that was a huge joy and a release for me. And he did. He brought a wonderful bookkeeper. He brought a nonprofit lawyer who got us set up for a very, very reasonable price. And they just, he started traipsing these people through our lives Mm -hmm. that got us set up. And it was so reassuring. And that's what I love is that God is very intimately involved in all these things and and that he is our partner in leadership and I don't have to know everything I don't have to do everything I'm still a person I'm not just some ox in the yoke pulling the heavy load I'm a person too and um, you know to learning to balance all that as a leader is challenging sometimes but that's what I love is is I get to love people but I don't have to be perfect Mm-hmm. And I get to have times of rest, too. Right. And he ministers to me, too. You know, right. he, he's not just lashing the whip and saying, get out there and, you know, I want to use you in ministry. Doesn't sound you like know? Proverbs 31 woman. Did you say anything about her taking a nap? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't wait, see wait, any wait, naps in there. <laughs> she's up in the middle of the night while the rest of us are snoozing. But she must have napped at some point. But I'm, I'm a fan of a good nap, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, I know for me, I... I think one of the best things is is when you can sense the Holy Spirit taking over when you're leading. Like when I'm mm-hmm. counseling or something and I'm always praying and always saying, okay, God, help me mm-hmm. with what I should say or not say. Mm-hmm. Help me to do this. And that constant connection and communion with God whenever I'm leading because I have to depend on him Mm -hmm. because like you said none of us are perfect Mm -hmm. and there are things that he brings my way that I'm like really (laughs) and I have to say okay God you got to help me Mm -hmm. so that constant contact and connection with God is probably one of the best things that's happened to me as being being a leader Mm -hmm. and so you know if if you enjoy this conversation that Julie and I are having we're gonna have some more conversations like this Mm -hmm. now we're holding a brunch and it's on Saturday March 2nd at 9 30 it's called Convo okay it's not a leadership conference where we give you all these leadership one-stop leadership yes if you want to be a good leader you will look like this exactly um that's not what it's about it's about having a conversation just like we're having today about uh talking we'll have somebody giving a testimony and they'll talk about a we'll choose a topic our topic for this time is called she leads which is a little bit about what we're talking about today which is Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a a woman leader Mm -hmm. what is that leadership quality like and so you'll hear that. We'll get a chance to talk with each other. 
And, and this, uh, this will be four times a year. It'll be seasonal, right? Yeah, we're going to do this So we, we know that women are very busy in their personal lives, and if, if they're leaders, they're even more busy. So we wanted, again, so much of what we do here at Maple Ridge Place, Affirm Ministries, Freedom Farm, is linked to the seasons. Mm-hmm. It's linked to the natural rhythm and, and the, the ebb and flow of, mm-hmm. of the seasons. And so we just decided to do this like a quarterly thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to have you know an honest conversation and a safe place for women leaders to come and let their hair down and be able to work through some of the things they're struggling with, maybe make some great connections that are supportive and nurturing. We, we really want to nurture, want this to be a nurturing environment, a safe environment for women and we to, don't want you to do anything no, we just want you to come come talk and just eat come. And like, I, I've had a few women who said can I bring something well sure I'm not going to d- deny you bringing something for, for a brunch but I don't want you to feel obligated like you have to right. we're doing a free will offering if you want to give something great but if you can't just come yeah we just want you to come. Now, we do want you to register, though. Yeah, please Because register. we just want to know how many people will be here so we're prepared and we have enough food and things like that. So um, registration takes place till February 28th. That's a week from today. Yeah. Today's the 21st. Get right on it. So um, you can go to uh, just Google Maple Ridge Place Traverse City, and you'll find the information and where you can register. And uh, we would love to see you there. Now, this is, if we talk about, well, who is this for? It's for anyone, any woman out there who finds herself in some kind of leadership or servant's role. Or maybe you're moving into that. Maybe you sense that you're being called to leadership and you're terrified like I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe you're just at the very, very first putting your first toe in the water of leadership. We want to nurture that. You know, you don't have to be some big fancy leader who's been in ministry for decades. If you're a young leader or a new leader, you don't even have to be young. You could just be 50, 60, 70s, but suddenly you thrust into a leadership role any way in which leadership is impacting your life as a you know you becoming a leader or being a leader we want to provide an atmosphere for you to grow and to be nurtured in have a place that you feel safe enough to talk yes. about some of those challenges yeah. you face yeah. and so it's a convo it's right? convo i love it's the a name convo yep we're going to have a convo we're on saturday convo. march 2nd at 9 30 again at maple ridge place so you can register up until february 28th so we hope to see you there um if you were to sum it up like for me if i were to sum up leadership in one word i would say follow and that would be you know leadership starts with following following jesus do you do you have a something that you would some word that you would use i think i think again everything starts with love everything starts with relationships everything is put right and and finds its balance and its meaning and its wisdom and its wholesomeness if we root in grounded in love and and God is the one who gets to decide what love looks like and so you know he doesn't use us we we talk about being used in ministry and I get what that means to a lot of people but he doesn't use us he partners with us he leads us he releases us he supports us we want to do for women what God does for us mm-hmm. too, which is to support and nurture. And so I think leadership, um, it, it may not start with love because we don't, we learn to love over right. our lifetime. Still learning. But I think that um, love is what puts everything in perspective. It's the core doctrine of our faith. 
is why we do everything, love and relationship. So to sum it up, what does it mean to be a leader or even maybe a woman? Follow love. In the past, when I've thought about leadership, honestly, I read a lot of books, rested on my experiences and even the trainings I've had. I would anchor those credentials and my educational background and accomplishments on what it meant to be a leader. And that led me to determining my worth came through those accomplishments and the roles that inevitably came. Maybe you too identify with being a pastor's wife, children's ministry leader, author, songwriter, CEO of a corporation, or even a mother. But if we're really honest, this list isn't who we are, nor is that list in Proverbs 31. As a daughter of the king, I realize I can rest in the fact that I am a woman who just needs Jesus. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail, but at all times, I need to know I'm not alone in those ups and downs. I need to have others around me who could lift me up and encourage me. So maybe that's you. So I hope you will consider joining us as we offer that kind of nurture and support to you busy ladies out there. Our first convo will be held on Saturday, March 2nd at 9.30 a.m. Please come to be encouraged, connect with others, and nurture the real you. Until next time, take notice.